Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I was in my last year before retiring from the army and was going through a divorce. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. My son, to be ex, went back to Texas with my two girls, and I planned to move closer to them once my retirement was official. I rented a small two-bedroom in Tennessee in a town called Indian Mound. Indian Mound was out of the way and really isolated. My commute sucked, but it was cheap and peaceful. I had no neighbors. Across the street was all conservation land for miles. On one side and around the back of the property was a swamp. On the other side, the closest house was out of shouting distance. I enjoyed living there initially. Before this, I lived in the suburbs, and all the noise, people, and traffic drove me crazy. One night, I came home around one in the morning from a concert in Nashville. It was early spring, and it was somewhat foggy out. The driveway dipped down, and the house was about an eighth mile from the road. As I pulled in, I saw a huge black dog standing in the front yard. It looked like a black lab or lab mixed breed. It stood with its head up and its tail straight up. It was fixed on me. 
I slowly pulled my car up, unsure what to do next when it turned and ran into the swamp. I didn't think much of it and went inside. Over the following few months, things started happening at night. I would always wake up around three or so in the morning, thinking I heard voices outside my window, and sometimes it sounded like someone or a couple of people were whispering to each other, but I couldn't understand what they were saying. Sometimes I would hear footsteps and movement outside. I thought it was maybe a deer or that dog, but when I looked out, I saw nothing. This type of shit continued for months. One night I woke up to a noise and saw it was 2.57. A bright white light shone through the porch glass doors. I ran out into the kitchen and looked through the small sink window, and it looked like someone was out in the swamp shining a spotlight. It was one of those. High-powered lights used in search and rescue. It was blinding and lit up the whole kitchen. I opened the back doors and ran out onto the porch, yelling I was calling the cops. The light went out and I heard someone moving away from the house through the swamp. Cops came out and took a report and told me to ensure my doors were locked and to call if anything else happened. I was hyper, vigilant for the next few days. I checked behind me when I was coming and going and always slept with the shades drawn and doors locked. The footsteps around the house continued, and some nights I thought I could hear a dog panting outside my window, although I never found tracks or saw signs of an animal in the morning. Things died down after a while, and I was about three months away from the end of my lease. I woke up around three in the morning, scared out of my mind. I was sleeping and heard a woman calling my name in my dream. I opened my eyes and realized it was a dream when I heard the voice call my name again. Clear as day, I shot up out of bed and turned on the lights. I checked in the closet and under the bed. I opened the bedroom door and listened out in the hallway. I couldn't hear anything and was about to cut the lights and go back to bed when someone started pounding on my front door. I nearly jumped out of my skin. It was like someone was bashing the door with a sledgehammer. I yelled out that I had a gun and to get the F off my property. I said I called the cops and I'll blow your head off before they get here. The pounding stopped. Cops came out again and took another report. There was no visible damage to the door or footprints around the property. It all just stopped after that. I did buy a 9mm, but the rest of my time renting there was without incident. I'm back in Texas in an apartment complex in the Burbs, and I don't mind. The backwoods of Tennessee were a creepy place. I've been a park ranger in Jasper National Park for over 10 years now, and every day I'm in awe of its beauty. The rolling hills, dense forests, and crystal clear lakes paint a picture of serenity and peace. But beneath the calm exterior lies a dark and mysterious world, unknown to most. One day, while on patrol, I stumbled upon a lifeless body of one of my colleagues. He was a seasoned ranger much like myself, and it was unimaginable to see him in such a state. The cause of his death was unknown, but there were signs of struggle and deep gashes on his body. I knew it was my duty to find out what happened to my friend and uncover the truth. I started my investigation and spoke to the other rangers, but no one had seen or heard anything out of the ordinary. The more I dug, the more I realized that there was a creature in the park that was responsible for the death of my friend. An unknown bipedal predator, described by some as a monster, 
had been spotted in the park, and it was evident that it had attacked my friend. I felt a deep sense of responsibility to keep the park goers and my fellow rangers safe, and I knew that I had to find this creature. I remembered hearing about an abandoned cave deep in the park, and I had a feeling that it held the answers I was looking for. I set out on a journey to the cave, and as I entered I felt a chill run down my spine. The air was musty and damp, and there was a feeling of unease that I couldn't shake. As I ventured deeper into the cave, I stumbled upon something that made my heart drop. There, in the depths of the cave, was a ghost from the past. It was the spirit of a Native American warrior who had died in the cave many years ago. He had a story to tell, and he needed my help to rest in peace. He told me that the creature I was searching for was a manifestation of his anger and hatred. He had died in the cave, betrayed by someone he trusted, and his spirit had been unable to find peace. I realized then that the creature was not just a physical threat, but a spiritual one as well. I needed to find a way to stop it and lay the warrior spirit to rest. I gathered some courage and confronted the creature, and after a long and intense battle, I was finally able to defeat it. I returned to the cave, and the spirit of the Native American warrior appeared before me, grateful for my help. He finally found peace and was able to move on to the afterlife. I emerged from the cave, battered and exhausted, but with a sense of accomplishment. Jasper National Park may be a place of breathtaking beauty, but it also holds secrets that are best left undisturbed. As a park ranger, it is my duty to protect the park and its visitors, and I will continue to do so no matter what obstacles may come my way. This was about four or five-ish years ago back then. I lived with my mother in a shed on a farm surrounded by woodland. Our farmland was part of a larger piece of farmland that was split up and sold off, so we did have neighbors, though they were roughly half a kilometer away each. We loved that cause of the privacy, it wasn't like there was nobody nearby I couldn't go to if I needed help. That thought is what had me fearlessly walking alone at night, between the hours of 7-8 p.m., sometimes fluctuating from earlier to later depending on the day. Sometimes I even went out on a walk at 2 a.m. in the morning because I was restless and couldn't sleep. Looking back, this was incredibly stupid, and after this incident I never walked after 6 p.m. ever again always making sure there was at least some sunlight left when I set out. The route I always took was a road circuit. The first part was out in the open in front of all the other farms, including my own. If anything had happened, at least one person would notice and reception was pretty good. So I would have also been able to call someone the second half on the other. Hand was concealed by about 200 meters of woods between the farms and the back road, stretching the full two kilometers at the back of the farm, and it was during that part of the walk when I had this creepy encounter. It was late at night. I can't remember what time exactly, but it was pitch black with the exception of my torchlight. I was about to approach the turn in the loop that would bring me out into the open. Again, when I heard it, him... It was this monotone voice that repeatedly asked for help. It didn't seem panicked in the least. I took my headphones out and turned my music off to make sure I was hearing correctly, but it didn't stop. Help. Help. 
A very stupid part of me almost responded because for some reason my first instinct was, oh no, someone's in trouble. Like a naive kid, even though I would have been like 16 or 17 at the time. Of course then my brain kicked in and I realized that approaching that voice was just about the stupidest thing I could do, so I started quietly backing away. Unfortunately, my cat had followed me on the walk and wasn't backing away with me. No, she was walking towards the voice, softly hissing. I remember desperately trying to get her to come back towards me without alerting the voice to my presence, just in case they hadn't noticed me yet. But I was getting scared and didn't want to stay there for a moment more. So I ran forwards and grabbed her, then turned around and bolted back towards my house. I don't know if it was stupid of me to turn my back to the voice as I was making so much noise while running that there was no way they didn't know I was there and I had no way of knowing if they were giving chase. I was so terrified that whole time the image of someone cloaked in shadows chasing me entered my mind and even though I couldn't hear anyone behind me, I never once slowed down until I was back safe and sound within my house. It doesn't end there, though. Despite how terrifying it was, there was still a part of me that was concerned about whoever it was, because what if they really had needed help? So I asked my mother to drive us to the location, another very stupid decision considering what we found, that being nothing, we called out and called out, and but nobody answered. We didn't get out of our car, though. Luckily, neither of us were that stupid. We drove home, having seen nothing and no one. But it still bothered me in the morning, so I had my mother drive us over again, and we searched the immediate area. Nothing, no indication that anyone had been there. There was no body, which admittedly was a drastic thing to search for, but I know shock can leave you eerily calm which could have explained the monotone voice and the lack of response afterwards, made me fear that we'd been too late and, and we'd find a body in the morning. I don't know if I would prefer this out. Come, cause at least then I would had a face to the voice. But no, we found absolutely nothing, and to this day, I have no idea who that voice belonged to and why they were monotonously calling out for help. My mind has naturally come to some chilling conclusions and theories that leave me unable to sleep. Rapist, kidnapper, serial killer, all the classic horror stories, but I guess I'll never really know for sure. I'm from South Jersey and spend a lot of time in the Pine Barrens camping, hiking, off-roading in my Jeep. I started spending more time at Brendan to Burn State Forest over the last few years because of the off-road trails. There's a lake called Pakim Pond along one of the main roads in the park, and it's a great place to go and park to look up at the stars. Something of note is that this state forest is very close, approximately 15 miles, from Joint Base McGuire, Fort Dix. To get right to it, I've seen strange, unexplainable lights in the trees in different areas of the forest. The first few times were while parked at Pakim Pond and stargazing. I noticed small lights that would sometimes flicker or stay stationary just below the tree line. Easily mistakable for stars, I didn't think much of it until I realized that during the daytime, the tree line was high enough that there was no way I could have been seeing stars through the thick foliage trailing. 
I brought my wife with me the next time specifically to try to show her these strange lights, and sure enough, they were there. Not in the same spots. They seemingly move. Two years later, and I just went camping on Thanksgiving Eve with my old friend, and the park was pretty much empty because it was 30 degrees. All night long, I could see the lights in the trees below the tree line. They perplex me. I have no clue what they are. I can't find anything online about this, so I think I need to do my own investigation. I don't know what to think of them, except possibly some sort of light being or fairies. That sounds ridiculous to say, but they seem paranormal in nature. Anyone have any ideas about what these are? Anyone have a similar experience in the Pine Barrens or anywhere else? From 2013, 2019, I worked in outdoor education at many different summer camps and outdoor education centers in Canada, mostly Ontario, but I did spend a season in the Rocky Mountains. Having grown up going to sleep, away camp, and eventually participating in month-long leadership programs with back, country canoeing components, I was well prepared to lead a group of teen girls from a camp in Georgian Bay on a two-week camping trip in the Timagami region during my first year as a counselor. The Timagami region is located between North Bay, Sudbury, and Timmins, Ontario. This region is home to many provincial parks, wonderful hiking and canoeing routes, and the Bear Island Indian Reserve. Our route was fairly typical in beginning the Whitefish Falls region, ending at Highway 11 after 14 days of paddling, portaging, hiking, and campfire making. We had a satellite phone to check in with our camp director every day, and in case of an emergency, we also had multiple exit points along the route. Until our second to last night, we were having fun in a relatively uneventful time, besides some mild dehydration and the usual bumps and bruises. Near the end of our trip, we were doing some free camping on the shore of an uninhabited island in Bear Lake that is recognized as part of the Bear Island Indian Reserve. It's a beautiful area and we were across from the main island that the majority of the 250-person population inhabits. We had put out the fire and gone to bed when about an hour after falling asleep, I was jarred awake by the sound of a loud motorboat. Obviously, this isn't that weird because it's a large lake and many people use boats to reach the mainland or their homes on secluded islands. However, it was around 11 p.m., and things had been quiet for the last few hours. The motor could cut out, and I could clearly hear the sounds of an argument. It sounded like at least one man and a woman, and they were very angry and yelling at each other, although I couldn't hear anything specific because they were too far offshore. Suddenly, the woman screamed, and I heard a splash into the water, and then complete silence. At this point, I was pretty freaked out and hoping to God that my girls hadn't woken up but I wasn't that lucky because I could immediately hear talking from their tent and could tell they were scared. I was about to unzip my door and look out to see if maybe the boaters had had an accident or something when my whole tent lit up. The light slowly panned across me and onto the tent my girls were in that immediately made them quiet. In a normal volume, I was able to tell them to stay absolutely still. The light panned back to my tent and then over to theirs again. I can only guess 
that it must have been some sort of boat with a searchlight on it. If anyone has any ideas of what that type of boat could be, let me know. After an eternity that was really only about five minutes, the light was turned off and I heard the motor engage and fade as the boat drove away from us. I immediately found the satellite phone and called our camp director who gave us the phone number for the local police. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I called them, and they said they would forward the information I gave to the local native detachment on Bear Island. I don't think any of us slept that night, and I got up at 5 a.m. to take my canoe out and take a look around. I thought maybe someone had fallen overboard and had managed to swim to shore. Obviously, I didn't find anyone, and there was nothing floating in the water either, although it is a pretty deep body of water. None of us wanted to camp one more night, so I called the camp and had them head out to the pickup point a day early. We paddled like hell and didn't really talk much. I think none of us really wanted to speculate about what we might have heard and what would have happened if we'd made noise or moved when that light was on our tents. I've thought about this a lot over the years, but whenever I've told people the story, they've been quite skeptical. I recently started. Looking into missing person cases in the area, but without much luck. If anyone reading this is familiar with indigenous issues in Canada, though, there is an epidemic of missing and murdered indigenous women, and these cases usually go unreported or unsolved. Locational Context I live on a farm on the side of a mountain in the middle of nowhere in British Columbia's interior. No cell service, neighbors are beyond shouting distance a very on-your-own lifestyle out here. My trailer is at the top of this property next to a barn surrounded 360 with forest except for the little road up here. The mountain Mount Ida has a long history with the aboriginal people of my area. I've been told stories of the mountains since I was a kid. Basically, the summary of every story is people are banished from the mountain because the spirits make it too dangerous. All sorts of weird things have been seen and have happened on this mountain. Last night, around 10.45 p.m., I heard three sets of sirens rush by the road. Out here, you never hear sirens. In my accumulative 15 years here, I've heard one siren, and it was earlier this week. Basically, it just intrigued me at that point. Wasn't until about half hour later or so, and my power cuts out. I'm already in bed at this point. Lights were out 
only way I actually noticed was because I had no Wi-Fi. Now, that's always a heart stopper, because out here, no Wi-Fi means I'm entirely on my own. This makes me anxious for sure, but I'm more worried that I won't be able to call the fire department if something catches on fire than anything. Then out of nowhere, I hear this super sharp and loud cry, like a kid who just crashed on a bike. Hysterical crying from what sounds to be a young child. My dogs are going absolutely nuts at the door. Now, if you're familiar with Cougar's ML, you should know that they can often mimic a child crying, and scary accurately, too. So laying there as the tension builds, I'm just telling myself it's a cougar. That's all it is. Just a cougar. For me, that's the best-case scenario right now, that it's just a cougar. Dogs have finally calmed down, and I'm still just trying to get some shut-eye when I hear the second sound. This was an ungodly sound that I've never heard in my life. This one sounded like a mix of every horror movie monster all in one. I can't even describe it. It was about five seconds of pure screeching, like a demonic banshee with the vocal cords of a T-Rex. The bias to it shook my bed. It was as if there was a concert-sized sound system hiding in the forest blasting zombie vomit. I could taste my heartbeat at this point. My dogs are acting like rabies-ridden pit bulls towards the door, snarling and growling like whatever just screamed was on the other side of the door. I didn't know what to do at that point. Couldn't call or get in contact with anyone. Lights are all off. I'm just laying there in the dark, utterly and completely scared. I was not about to get up and go investigate. It's the middle of winter, of course, too. I just laid there checking my phone every 30 seconds, seeing if the Wi-Fi came back. Nothing else came after, though. Just ended up falling asleep at some point. As of this morning, everything is back to normal. Nothing creepy going on. Power's back on. Made a post in the local Facebook group. Nobody else in the area heard anything, and only a few lost power, as well as me. So take it as you will. Cougar in heat. Bigfoot coming out of hibernation. Thousand-year-old native ghost trying to get me off his land. I am not a very paranormal guy, and I have no idea what it could been at this point. Would love to hear your thoughts, ideas, or questions. I grew up out in the wooded country in Illinois on a short dead-end street ten-plus miles from a town, and there were seven houses in the area spread out on two-acre wooded lots or larger each. There were no large wild animals. There aren't bears or similarly large animals in the region, and people didn't meander there or show up lost. Actually, lost folks or large animals wandering around never happened in the 20 years I lived there. So please keep that in mind. When I was a young girl in my early teens, I had a good guy friend a few years older than me who lived next door. Terry. Terry was allowed to go out with his friends much later than I was, and he would sometimes tromp over to my yard after getting home late and throw rocks from the gravel area outside at my window to check. My bed was right next to the window. I'd open the window and we'd whisper stories and generally talk for a bit. My second-story window faced our backyard, and his house was to the side. 
I could see his house from my window over the shrub trees and walking path to his driveway. I'd often know if he was out. The light was on over the side door entrance, or already home. Light was off. One time during the summer, when my window was open, I heard a car in his driveway dropping him off. I was probably 14 years old, and it was around midnight. I heard Terry get out of a car and was talking to his friends. Soon his friends pulled away. I softly called out, as loud as I could without waking my parents, asking Terry to stop by and chat. He didn't respond as he probably didn't hear me. Then I came up with a not-so-brilliant idea to sneak outside and scare him. I'd spent many years in the woods and learning how to blend in and be silent. As kids, we'd often sneak around and scare each other. So I silently sneaked down from the second floor and out my back garage door, which led to our backyard below my window, which led to Terry's house off the side, through our gravel area, then through a well-worn path through the woods, about twenty-five feet long. My parents had put in a gravel pit around the back of the house, probably because nothing much grew due to the shade of the oak trees. There were fourteen-inch oak rounds set out as an uneven stepping path in the gravel, and if you stepped off of the rounds, the crunch of gravel rocks would give you away. I picked my way expertly and silently across the log rounds facing Terry's house. My eyes got accustomed to the dark, and I didn't see him. Also at that time, I heard the door of his house close and the light going off signaling he went in. Likely to bed, I waited a bit as I thought I saw something move in the woods between our houses, but not on the path we'd always use. If you didn't use the path, there were wild rose and raspberry plants that had thorns and were painful to walk through if you weren't careful, so I thought it was odd that he'd be in the woods, but maybe he wanted to scare me like I was plotting to do to him. But I saw something human-sized and dark moving through the woods slow and pausing every once in a while like me. It was coming closer and I definitely saw it, but it was strange in that it wasn't walking directly to my window to talk. Therefore I hunched down and waited in silence, wondering if I could still startle him. I still thought it was Terry and he saw me sneak out and he was trying to scare me. I watched a dark outline of a human figure moving, but then I would lose sight of it in the foliage. It seemed to be stalking slowly and listening, checking every few feet while hiding. So I whispered after losing patience one last time for Terry, but he didn't answer. I got bored of hiding and crouching, so I quietly tippy-toed back to my garage door and went back inside silently, locking up as I went. I snuck back upstairs to my room above the area where I was just standing crouching. My window was open and I definitely heard someone, something walking around the yard. I whispered again for Terry out my window, but got no answer. Then I heard someone, something fall and grunt, moan pretty loudly in the window, well, right below my window. It wasn't enough to wake my parents, but definitely loud enough. I didn't mistake it, and it sent a shock of fear through me. If you aren't familiar with the window, well, it's a semicircle hole connected to the house dug out about three or four feet deep and reinforced with metal. It allows a basement window to be put in below ground level in the hole let some natural light in. There is no way Terry would have fallen in our window well. We had been playing hide-and-seek in many outdoor games for years since we were young around the whole neighborhood. 
We knew everyone's window wells and house footprints, plus paths in the woods. Like the back of our hands. The grunt sounded humanish and not like an animal. It also pulled itself out quietly without a lot of thrashing. That's when I realized this wasn't a fun game and someone something was out there and it wasn't Terry. I tried to look outside my window as best I could, but there was a screen on my windows to keep the bugs out so I couldn't lean my head out the window to see next to the wall of our house, directly below me. I then heard the crunch of rocks as whatever it was stepping in the noisy gravel. Again, Terry would know where the log grounds were and would not step in the gravel. He knew my parents were pretty strict and he was as good at being quiet as I was. Whatever it was stopped and I held my breath. I pretty much sat there with my face pressed against the screen two stories up for probably a half hour. It seemed like an hour, but I'm sure I didn't have patience back then to wait that long. I never heard it in relieve, but I grew tired and eventually fell asleep on my bed that was next to the window. There are a few things I'm certain of. It wasn't Terry. I asked him later and he said he went to bed that night when he got home. He also would have no reason to lie. I'm pretty sure it wasn't one of our neighbors, and I can't think of any reason a person would be there. We had few neighbors and only two other houses out of seven had kids. Again, these seven houses were spread out in 2.5 plus acres per home. There weren't any big animals in the area. As wooded as the whole area was, we only had some deer, but they were hunted and didn't come close to homes. Plus, our dog scared them away. Before we can begin, I need to tell you about the man in question. Otherwise, it won't make that much sense. This man is a decorated war vet with two tours, one in Iraq and one in Afghanistan. He also murdered a man by strangling him to death in a wrestling match. So by no means a normal human being, this man in particular was driving freight through LBL, he had to take out a state. It was dusk with the sun starting to go under the horizon, but still enough light to see things. The man had been driving for about seven hours and was pretty sleepy. When out of nowhere, he heard the potter-patter of heavy footsteps outside his window. It was then a giant wolf head filled up the entire window of his truck. The dogman gave the dogman a big smile in an attempt to intimidate him. Totally unfazed by the huge wolf creature, he calmly reaching into his glove compartment and pulled out a Taurus Judge pistol, which is a shit-gun revolver he used for self-defense. He put the gun about half a foot from the thing's cranium. The dogman eyes widened as he gave him a, Oh shit, I screwed up. If he had given him a half a second more, he might have escaped, but the vet immediately pulled the trigger. The man said he saw gray matter spray out of the back of the thing's head as the dogman dropped like a sack of potatoes. The man looked in his mirror to see another dogman dragging the first one off. My boyfriend and I were camping alone in the mountains of Colorado in early June. There was still snow covering the top of the mat where we were, and there was little to no nature around. I woke up in the middle of the night to something lifting me in the corner of the tent. Freaked out, I quickly awoke my boyfriend with this strong urge to go out and shoot whatever was lifting the tent, which he refused to let me do. He yelled at it, and it stopped, 
but later that night it happened again. But we slept through it. When morning came, we saw that there was no prints in the snow or any trace of an animal. What could it have been? This story comes from a good buddy of mine, goes by the name of Dido's, maybe you have heard of him. Regardless part of Navy SEAL training is wilderness survival just in case they need to survive somewhere for a good time before they get repocked up. Said SEAL in question was dropped off in LBL and told to survive a week. The SEAL poked around and surveyed his surroundings. He was in a small clearing with extremely thick woods in front of him. Then out of the dense woods came an entity that defied imagination. It was a Caucasian man, about six feet two, but totally naked. The thing had no genitalia whatsoever. It also had no face-like fabric stretched over a softball. What's funny is those woods were so thick it would be impossible for any human being to get through them. But this thing made it through no problem. The woods were about thirty yards in front of him. He pulled out his AR and mag, dumped thirty rounds into this thing right in the middle of the chest, center mass. However, no blood or viscera came out the bullets just seeming passed through it. Its skin looked like ripped paper instead of normal skin. The monster was walking towards him when it was ten yards away, and after he was out of ammo, he threw down his rifle and pulled out his sidearm. He managed to get only seven bullets through the humanoid's brain before the monster reached him. It was then the two of them got in wrestling match. The monster was extremely strong, but not to the point a human could not fight back. However, a normal person, not in peak physical condition, would not stand a chance. The man that told Dido's the story said he wrestled this thing for three hours. However, Dido's does not believe it. Regardless, after three hours, the two of them were about five feet away from one another and breathing extremely hard, both of them totally exhausted. The thing's chest rose and fell like a normal person, despite the face it had no mouth. Its body was also covered in sweat. The monster backpedaled one step at a time. The seal could tell it was glaring at him and seemed very angry. Even though it had no face, he could somehow tell it seemed upset. The monster backed into the deep brush where it came from originally and disappeared, never to be seen again. I honestly think this monster was not expecting its victim to fight as ferociously as the seal did. If the man had not been as ridiculous fit as he was, I am thoroughly convinced he would have died. Fortunately, when it comes to fitness, you would be hard-pressed to find someone better shaped than a seal. So I guess there are two lessons to be learned from this tale. There is more weird, unexplainable things in the woods than you could ever shake a stick at. Navy SEALs are badass.